Coming up, he's reigned over one of the most unique periods in WWE history. And this week, WWE champion Drew McIntyre is here to talk about it. ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. And it is finally here. We are days away this coming Sunday, streaming live on the WWE Network. It's SummerSlam. You'll never see it coming. It felt like we'd never get to this point, but it's finally here. And it is stacked top to bottom. I'm sure by now you know most of the big matches and attractions awaiting you this Sunday. So let's not waste any more time. He is the star of Monday Night Raw. He is the WWE Champion. Drew McIntyre. Mr. McIntyre, we are several days away from the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam, where you will defend your WWE Championship against Randy Orton. So first things first, how are you feeling? Feel pretty good. Drew, last time you were on ATB was just before the Royal Rumble, where yours truly picked you to win the Royal Rumble match, and it happened. And yes, I believe thank I you for that. Up, yes, I followed up with predicting that you would defeat Brock Lesnar which you did. So, uh, I mean, I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't wish you luck and predict you to escape SummerSlam, still WWE champion. Well, I appreciate that. Now that you've said it, it's obviously <laughs> going to happen, but I can't help but reflect on since the last time we spoke, a uh, few things have changed. There's the understatement of the year. Yeah, <laughs> Like last time we spoke, 40,000 screaming people when I won the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, we just kept going up and up and up. Uh, taking out Brock all the way to WrestleMania, and then boom, pandemic. And four months later, here we are. What a crazy half year. It's wild, man. And the last time we spoke, I and mean, we talked a lot about how you grew up in Scotland as a WWE fan. It was an obsession, so much so that you pursued that dream. And obviously, now you find yourself at the pinnacle of our business at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. You become WWE champion. But the circumstance is obviously not what anyone dreamed up. Now you've had a few months to kind of digest that and you've sort of grown into the role and you've really embraced it. You've done a great job with the circumstances being what they are. Thank Looking you. back on the past few months, how are you feeling and how does your mindset differ from when you first approached that top of the mountain? Um, I mean, now, like you say, I'm a lot more uh, comfortable in the role, but certainly not content in any way, you know, from day one. Uh, when I won the title the next day on Raw, it was my first time in front of, you know, no fans. And I instantly was trying to find ways to connect with the audience at home since there was no audience in the building. And I was trying to set an example to the rest of the roster that, hey, I'm going to try some wacky out-of-the-box things here because there's no wrong answers. And it starts at the top and, you know, rolls downhill. So from that first week, you know, I even said to my wife, dare me to do things like whatever you've got. She's not a wrestling fan. Whatever you would, would make you tune in. My job right now is to get people that aren't watching to tune in. We're watching Tiger King at the time. One week she said, I dare you to look in the camera and say, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. I went, got it. One of the weeks, <laughs> sure enough, I looked in the camera and said, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. And, you know, since then, I've just been trying some things outside the box. I'm glad to see everybody else is really trying to, you know, find themselves as a character in this unique environment we've got. Um, this is a cool time that we're able to, if you look at the positives within the negatives, you know, really find yourself as a character Add some extra layers. You don't have the crowd kind of shouting over the top of you. And if you know what you're doing, you know yourself, you can really go over on a deeper level right now. And I've seen a few people do that over the past few months. And 
I think when we get back, no, I know when we get back to the arenas, there's a few characters that are really going to connect on a deeper level and the industry is going to be better for it. We're going to be bigger than we ever were. Off the top of your head, who are some of those characters that are resonating with you right now? Ooh, I was putting me on the spot. I think over in SmackDown, I've seen Sonya do a great job every time she gets presented an opportunity. She really seems to know herself and maximizes every chance she gets, especially on that microphone. On Raw, uh, I'd say Apollo is really stepping up. You know, he's somebody we've both known for many, many years and was a little unconfident in certain areas. And I think it's because he just was trying to play a character rather than be himself. And now he's finally relaxing. He's being the real person. And people, I reckon, at home are starting to connect. Now it's hard to gauge without an audience there, but I keep up to date what's happened socially and how people are responding to our superstars. And I think Apollo is doing a great job right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm excited to see what he and MVP bring at SummerSlam. Uh, so you mentioned last time we spoke, and I know we've talked off of the show, just about how your mindset since returning to WWE was to eliminate complacency because you felt that was something that plagued the, the locker room and the, and the company as a whole at times. And I think a lot of people agree with you. Now you find yourself as the WWE champion, as the de facto locker room leader right now. Has there been any instances or anything that you've consciously tried to do to sort of change the culture for the better uh, in your time on top, especially in these weird circumstances? Yeah, I mean, right now, everything is, you know, uncharted waters as WWE champion. I certainly believe my journey has prepared me for it. I guess for me personally, you know, uh, as you say, you know, complacency is something I would never allow to happen to me again. Since the day I won the title, I've finally said to myself, okay, Drew, you're in this spot. You've got this unique opportunity. I'm going to start learning how this company truly works. I'm going to start reaching out to all the different departments and find out, you know, this giant company, I'm aware of how big WWE is. I want to know how it works from the inside. And over the past few months, as big as I thought it was, it's even bigger. Like there's right. so much that make us superstars. Like when you realize how many people around you, including yourself on the commentary, like make us larger than life, make us superstars. And the people putting those packages together, the theme musics, the editing crew, uh, the community um, area of the company. There's just so much that goes into this. And I've really been learning a lot about it. And I'm really, I don't know, damn proud um, of everything this company does. And I just want to keep learning more about the company. Like, I guess, like a John Cena. He's the last person, I guess, that did all this. So that if I truly understand how the company works, I'll truly know how to take us to that next level. That's an awesome mindset. And it's funny. I, I experienced that firsthand when I was taken out of the ring and kind of giving the keys to the kingdom, just saying, Hey, explore wherever you, hopefully you catch on somewhere. Um, and, and I did the same thing. Dive in, you dive in and you meet people and you can finally put names to faces yes. and you realize like, wow, okay, I've gotten emails from this person or I've talked to this person on the phone, but then you see, Oh, that's who you are. And now you know and fully understand what they do. And, and it's so deep. And there's so many people that make this machine run the way that it does, man. And it's cool to have, the guy, you know, the WWE champion, uh, embrace that. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And it's not just me, like who could do this. Everybody can learn. Like the more you learn about the company, the more you kind of understand this industry, the more you can better yourself, which in turn bears the company overall. If everybody kind of figures out how this thing works rather than just at the basic, I'm a wrestler level. I listen to everybody telling me what to do and I try to do it. Learn how it all works. Learn how to navigate the waters and trust me, you'll be more comfortable and the company and you will be better for it. Absolutely. Since, since WrestleMania, obviously the, the typical reactions and experiences of being WWE champion have been out the window because of the pandemic. The whole world's turned upside down. It's not just our company. Uh, has there been any cool experiences or anything that you've had the opportunity to do since becoming champion, despite all of the things that are going on? I think there's been a few things, mostly Zoom-based since this is the world we live in. Right. But yeah, I've kind of taken it upon myself to 
try and find those new eyes. And I've been like, okay, since everybody's locked in the house right now, what can I do? I'm WWE champion. People pay attention to WWE champion. Uh, the WWE champion does something significant or pokes some bears. I started poking some bears. I started, you know, uh, going after Tyson Fury. I believe Colby Covington, a soccer player, Chris Sutton in the UK, even Conor McGregor, just different people that, that mentioned WWE in any way. I went, okay, there's an opening. I'm going to step in and poke them a little bit, see if we can get a little bit of an online feud going in. Tyson and I have been going back and forth to the point where, you know, we're trying to push this big UK pay-per-view that hasn't happened since SummerSlam 92. And a lot of people have started talking about it to the point where people within the office are asking me, do you know something we don't know? Is, there, is this really going to happen? Because you talk about it so much and yourself and Fury have got like a dialogue going to the point where you're both like main event in this SummerSlam pay-per-view. And that's literally what I said. If I have to fight Tyson Fury in the UK to get this big UK pay-per-view we've not had to SummerSlam 92, we're absolutely going to do it. And I guess things of that nature, you know, when you get these, like go out and try and find these unique opportunities that you wouldn't normally have and just having fun online. And I guess that's the biggest thing since I turned face. When I was heel, you know, I refused to just be two separate characters. I wouldn't play on social media as Drew Galloway, the real person, and be Drew McIntyre on TV. You know, I don't like that disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, as soon as I started playing Drew Galloway on TV with a volume of 10, I really got to go crazy on social media. I've been having so much fun on it. You know, I get to rip people apart verbally now. And like, it's been such a, you know, fun time, I guess, socially. And I guess actually when I'm on it, you know, social media, that's another thing that I guess in the past, I used to hate. I used to never understand why people used it aside for business purposes. Mm -hmm. And over this whole pandemic, you know, I've been seeing a lot of cool things that kind of change my perspective on social media. A lot of people were struggling mentally. They kind of reached out socially. And a lot of people stepped up, supported them. Um, you know, and really helped them. And people are struggling at home, not being able to work out. Everyone's getting, giving each other online workouts, home diets, and really lifting each other up during this time. So I've got a whole new perspective on social media as well as having a lot of fun with it. It's kind of wild. I mean, you all you dreamed of being WWE champion, but now you actually find yourself in that position. Did you expect or realize the amount of power you would wield outside of the walls of WWE as WWE champion as this quote-unquote fictitious character? I mean, not really. I mean, everything just surprises me. I'm still shocked. I'm sitting here, WWE champion, first ever UK WWE champion. But I do remind myself constantly, remember, you know, everything you say is going to be scrutinized. I'm sure a bunch of things we say right now is going to end up in headlines, but I try to <laughs> make sure I use that power. for. Hey, let's, let's hope it's, let's hope it McIntyre wants fury in the UK pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that one will come up. This will come up a few times, but yeah, I try to use like, the, you know, the, the power for good. Let's say some of the coolest things I've been able to do as WWE champion has been involved in some of the uh, community projects in the community area of WWE and the charity organizations. We did recently a virtual make a wish where I got the chance to sit down virtually and speak to about 30 families in a row, which oh, was wow. so cool. I've been talking to special Olympics about doing something with them. And you know, that's the stuff that's real in this business, no matter what you think about wrestling, you have your opinion that's cool and whatever, but uh, the real stuff, you know, was like our community area of the company. And that's the proudest thing I'm doing right now is getting to work uh, with those different companies. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I know you mentioned it before. John Cena lives for, for Make-A-Wish because it is. It's the most rewarding thing, whether it be Special Olympics or any sort of opportunities like that. I, it sounds cliche just because it's a big company and we're the superstars of the talent talking about these things. But it truly is the most rewarding part of our jobs to see those smiles and, and be to able to interact with, whether it be with the special Olympic athletes or, or the make a wish kids, 
it truly, it, it's hard to, to wipe the smile off your face after that experience. Yeah, that's great. And I tell them whenever I speak to them, you know, this is much of a, you know, an honor and a privilege for me. And I'm not just saying it because right. that's the, the thing you say, like you say, it's truly humbling that they care enough, you know, to ask to speak with yourself and just mind blowing and all the stuff like lifelong dream of WWE champion is really cool. And all the ups and downs to get there and being in the position and working as hard as I can to raise the profile of myself and the company is cool, but that's the real stuff right there. What have been some of the biggest challenges for you as a, as a competitor and a performer to be in this empty arena or, or, you know, NXT crowd environment versus 40,000 people at Chase Field in Arizona. What, what have you had to learn about yourself as a competitor? Um, I mean, the biggest challenges are obviously not getting that crowd reaction to, to figure out what's working or not. Right. But, you know, I always kind of roll with the punches, try to innovate and adapt in any situation. And I think during this period, like I mentioned earlier, I've been trying to kind of really become even more comfortable than I was already, which was pretty comfortable and just let the crowd in even more. And I've started to try and show some flaws for myself. You know, people know my journey. We've told my journey. I've not held back. I'm pretty much an open book. I'm a very flawed person. And a lot of people can relate to that. They can't relate to a six foot five, hairy, angry Scotsman, but they can relate to this guy that's been through a lot and overcame a lot. And sometimes I'll make mistakes and I'll learn from mistakes and I'll move on. Like the one week Dolph brought out Heath to kind of exploit the situation. Perhaps I wasn't as attentive as, to my friend as I should have been. And you realize in the moment when you see my face, like, man, I, I can't believe I wasn't a good friend to Heath here or as, to the level he thought I should have been. And Dolph, son of a, was exploiting this situation. And then that arena, I would have booed out the building for doing something like that. But in this yeah. unique environment, we can take advantage of this and tell these deeper layer stories that my goodness, I'm a flawed person. I'm sorry. At the end, we made up. Okay, Drew made a mistake. He learned from it. We move on. And that's the kind of situations I'm looking for to kind of build this character a little bit differently than the kind of top good guys of the past because it's basically, it is Drew Galloway. I'm smiling because the light bulb just went off in my head because I haven't heard it explained like you just did. You don't have to fit, have, deal with the the need for instant gratification or the instant reaction of the audience, which is something we're so accustomed to and used to, to have, whether it be 10,000 or 50,000 booing because of a sentence you speak. Now they're almost forced to pay closer attention and add depth to, to your character and see what really makes you tick. And yep. that's, that's really unique. And I've, I've seen it obviously, but I haven't been able to articulate it. You just did so for me. So thank you. But that, that's, that's a real game changer across the board for anybody to have an opportunity to really explain who they are and what makes them tick without having to deal with what chance or, you know, yep. booze, silence, which is just as horrible as getting what. <laughs> right. right. Well, in this case, you, you've grown to expect it. It's the, it's the normal situation for the moment. Uh, but you, you mentioned having time to, to really deep, deep dive into who you are as a person and as a character. And what stood out to me was several weeks ago on raw when you and Randy had the face-to-face the -face, when he was on top of the ramp and you were in the ring and man, you guys were dropping some bombs on one another. How refreshing was that for you having been through WWE and knowing how promos are typically done to have that sort of freedom to give it that edge and that biting truth on both sides. I mean, I think in general, we really do have that freedom, especially right now. Like they're given a lot of leeway and freedom. If you do know yourself and your character and you frame it the right way, that doesn't step out with the storylines, you'll be just fine. But the thing with myself and Randy, aside, you know, the way he's kind of been building right now and he's on fire and the way I've been building is there is a lot of stories we can tell. And the best stories are based in truth. 
And with this situation is going to be very interesting. Hopefully started interesting for everybody because basically everything that came out of my mouth, I 100% felt and I meant and it was true. And uh, people have read a lot of things online about Randy when he was younger, certainly. Mm-hmm. And how for the younger guys like myself, at times it was like walking on eggshells and to make sure you don't upset <laughs> Mr. Randy Orton. So, you know, I, I don't forget. I remember everything. I'm a different man I am today. I'm not afraid to say how I feel. Aside the fact I'm WWE champion, I'm not a boy anymore. I'm a grown man. And I'm going to say exactly how I feel. And if it feels real, that's because it is. So I think Randy and I is going to be very interesting going forward for everybody. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I know the whole world's buzzing about that match. Let's talk about Randy for a minute. This is a guy who has been in WWE for, what, 20 years now? And somehow in in these pandemic times, Randy finds this new lease on life and is doing what I think many people would agree is some of the best work of his career. Is it at all daunting for you in the role that you're in as the quote unquote good guy WWE champion to face off at something huge like SummerSlam with somebody almost like a sentimental favorite in Randy Orton? No, this is what I've been, been waiting for. You know, the the challenge I've been waiting for and I've not been preparing for the top level for a long time. I don't want to be one of the top guys. I want to be the guy. I don't want like a Randy Orton who's phoning it in and still one of the best in the entire world. I want the Randy Orton that is on fire right now when he was already one of the best in the world without even trying. I want to have to step up to his level because if I can't keep up with the best, and then if I, basically if I can't swim in the deep end, I deserve to drown as WWE champion the way I see it. Like that promo uh, whatever it was a couple of weeks ago when Randy kind of unloaded on me after I gave my first speech, spoke how I felt and Randy rebutted with complete truths. So I don't have to be here. I've got the money, etc. I just enjoy like hurting people. Like after I was so nice to you, it was just all true. And everyone's like, oh, I can agree with Randy. And plus he's Randy Orton. I like him. Screw Drew. At that very moment, I knew in my head, if I don't come back with a heck of a comeback right here, if I don't feel this and the crowd don't feel it with me, I'm dead in the war. May as well just hand over the title right now. And I knew, and that's the challenges I want as WWE champion. I don't want to just have to try and pull people up to my level. I need to be reaching up. I'm on the build right now as well. I'm trying to cement my place as a top guy. And in order to do that, I need a Randy Orton. I need a Randy Orton on fire. And I'm excited about the possibilities right now. So that, that was exactly what I was trying to get the answer to was when all this is coming out, if you're going, God, he's so good. I got to yeah, I gotta step up my game, but you did so. And, and now it all culminates at SummerSlam, man. I, I can't wait to check that out. I consciously went through my head. The thought during the promo when he was talking was like, I, I told myself, right, Drew, you got to step up right now. Every promo you've ever done, every situation you've ever been in, this is your moment to show what you're truly made of or you're screwed. It went through my head quickly, but it went through my head just watching him just on point. Ric Flair standing by his side. I was like, this is what you've been training for. This is what you've been preparing for. You've been talking such a big game. Now show them or get up. So, so speak a little bit more about that because it, it seems almost cliche. A lot of guys that do interviews talk about how, yes, sports entertainment is entertainment, but there's an element of reality to it. And there was reality hitting you right between the eyes on television in front of the whole world to see. Are those the sort of moments that that you, excite you? Or is that what keeps you going? Because, Or is that something that you kind of get caught off guard by? No, I love it. When I was outside the company, there were so many situations where people caught me off guard and I had to respond to on the fly. And obviously, this is a, an absolute different level. But the best stories are based in truth. They've always been based in truth. If you look throughout history, the best rivalries because people can get invested because they know it's real. More importantly, they can feel it's real. And if it's a cool storyline, it's like, all right, I'm into this. They're entertaining. They're, man, he's a great heel and he's a great face. And this is a great story. I mean, if people are saying that, and they're like, oh, well, I mean, we're okay, I guess. But if people are saying, oh my God, like 
this guy and this guy really hate each other. There's no good guy, bad guy, anything. It's just, this is real. I feel this. My God, I want to see this match. I want to pay money to see this. People in the building right now, that's a whole another level. That's what I aspire to be. I always look for the truth and everything, but with this right here, this is another level. This is exactly what I want. And as a character and as somebody who wants to reach the top, top of WWE, this is exactly what Drew McIntyre needs. It's, it's incredible because it's one of those stories right now. And, and that promo in particular, where when you can get the boys going, when you can get the locker room kind of whispering, going, oh, man, I, I, that was a little little sharp. That was a little stiff right there. And that's what you guys have accomplished over the past several weeks. And, and I ex- fully expect that to carry over physically to SummerSlam. Oh, it will. I've got a bunch of receipts to cash in for me, for former superstars, for legends. I think I saw Randy's eyebrow raised slightly because he understands. <laughs> There's a few receipts people would like to cash in on me, and this is a big bad guy standing with the title right now. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. So what, uh, what else have you been doing outside of the walls of WWE to keep yourself occupied over these wild and crazy times? Uh, well, I've been spending time with the wife for the first time in our entire relationship. Been together for seven years, married for three. I've been on the road the entire time, and um, I couldn't help but notice a lot of relationships which sucks failing during this time. And I was like, oh man, this kind of sucks. I hope we were going to be okay. I've never been home <laughs> during, uh, <laughs> like for any extended period longer than about three weeks. But yeah, we're better than ever. Um, I told her recently, babe, I think we're going to make it. I think we're good. It's been months now. We're at a different level now. We're connected to a different level now. And I've been kind of learning a lot about myself, about, you know, ways I can better myself as a person, like being present. We're all guilty of not being present. We get home, we still got work on the brain. We're tired and then we're back on the road again. And our, you know, loved ones suffer. They're the real ones that sacrifice more than uh, we ever do. So that's been good to learn to be more of a present person. Broaden my horizons. I started reading books again, which I haven't done since university. It's wild. If you don't use it, you lose it. It took me a while to get back into reading again, but mm-hmm. I've just been on the road. Just go, go, go. We just fall out of like habits and things I used to enjoy. And I forgot how much I used to enjoy reading and just exploring new areas um, and yeah, expanding my horizon. So that's been really, really fun. And spending time with the cats, that's always good too. <laughs> <laughs> so I certainly enjoy that. They seem to be happy that I'm home um, all the time. And yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I am just finding positives within the negative situation, like seeing online so much positivity in an area that could generally be negative. has been really cool to see. And I hope all these lessons that hopefully everyone else is learning when we get back to normal, we continue on this path and we don't forget everything we've been through during this period, all the lessons we've learned during this period. I think the world's going to be a lot, a lot better place once we get back to normal, if we remember everything that happened. I certainly agree with you and hope so. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to most, obviously, other than having fans present once things get back to normal, but in the position that you're in to sort of grow and evolve and change WWE, which has happened generationally. There's always, you know, somebody steps up and things trend toward a different thing. Is there any any sort of change that Drew McIntyre would like to institute to really put your stamp on WWE? Number one, the fans, I'm looking forward to getting them back. I guess like all of these um, interviews that I do and conversations that I have every day, hours a day, I'm looking forward to getting there in person. Um, There's a lot of projects we've got on the go that are kind of on hold because I need to be there in person in order to get to, you know, the next level for me. I understand that I got to reach outside of WWE. I got to, you know, raise that star profile and things of that nature. It's people start recognizing Drew McIntyre. They're interested in Drew McIntyre. Then they're interested in tuning in to see him in WWE. Then they see another character interested in some little bit new WWE fans. So we've got a lot of projects on the horizon that I'm excited to start getting out there and doing. And, you know, I'm going to be very, very busy 
let's say when things get back to normal, but the primary goal of it all is to just get more eyes on WWE. And I see that as my responsibility. I take it very serious and I am excited to things getting back to normal and the fans back in the arena and more importantly, hearing them respond to all the characters that we've talked about already. Like I think people are really going to respond big to everybody that maximized, you know, these past few months. I, I had that conversation with, I believe, I believe it was Edge or Christian several months back on the show here. We talked about how it was right when the pandemic began. It was shortly after, I think, WrestleMania, how the fans hopefully are just going to be so rabid and hungry that I predict, hopefully, with any luck, the first few Raws and Smackdowns after things get back to normal are all going to feel like the Raw after WrestleMania. That environment oh, yeah. that is just second to none because everyone's just excited to be out of the house and, and amongst friends and celebrating this thing we once loved. Yeah, they are 100%, no matter where we go. And I think there's a few markets where perhaps hitting a little too much and they were still great. We can always rely on like a New York and a Chicago to be loud. And they always are, but we were hitting them a lot. But now they've been deprived of wrestling for so long. They're going to be absolutely out of control. And no matter what area of the country we go to, it's going to be absolutely insane. I'm so excited about it. I can't even imagine how the UK fans are crazy to begin with. It's going to be an absolute riot when we get over there next time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, so I'm so excited just to get back in front of those fans and hopefully, you know, I get my moment. I've got the title. I have it by my side here. Those listening can't see, but those watching can see it. It's always by go. my side to get that opportunity to walk in front of the live crowd and say, you know, we've been waiting for it a long time. I might not have got my, you know, WrestleMania moment in the traditional sense, even though I did. But here's our freaking wrestling moment right here. So I'm excited about that. Is there any fear in your mind that as fluidly as things change, that you might not be WWE champion by the time things get back to normal? There's, <laughs> I guess, a chance that could happen. And it'd be unfortunate because the reality is we can't predict when things are going to get back to normal. It'd be cool if I could hold it for a year or two or even longer, like a San Martino style. But right. yeah, like, realistically, we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Like, there's something to the baby face and the chase. And mm -hmm. during this time, people have seen that I've been trying to step up the best I can and carry the load. And if I did happen to lose it to somebody like the week before we came back, that'd be a pretty interesting story. Just the story of Drew McIntyre's life when things seem like they're going so right, it goes so wrong. Right. <laughs> boom, loses the title before fans come back. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, let's say worst case scenario, that happens. Do you rest on your laurels and say, well, I won the WWE title that Bruno San Martino held at WrestleMania. I can rest comfortably on that achievement or does it become, okay, how do I reinvent? How do I keep moving forward? You know the answer to that. I think everyone <laughs> listening. Knows I, was, the I was just to trying that. to set you up and give you a good platform to. to yeah, <laughs> I this promo. <laughs> yeah, Dolph didn't just call me a psychopath because I'm like a madman in the ring. He called me a psychopath because of my drive and my obsession. And yeah, I'm never ever like since the day I got released and looked myself in the mirror and said, "This is on you." Like this will never happen again. No stone left unturned. I'll always be finding ways to better myself. I'll always be finding ways to try and raise the stock of WWE. And that's my responsibility for the rest of the time, whether I'm the champion or not. But ideally, I'll be the champion. <laughs> Best of luck with that. What's, uh, what's something that the WWE universe does not yet know about Drew McIntyre? You've had a lot of face time. I've been trying to, trying to hopefully not repeat too many questions because I find new interviews with you just about every day of the week. I know you're a busy guy. What's something that Drew McIntyre is really into or loves to talk about that uh, maybe the world doesn't know? Like you say, I'm such an open freaking book. Everyone seems to know everything about me and has done since I was about 21. That's life growing up in the public eye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm into some out there things. Like we've talked about it in a bunch of podcasts. We might have talked about it last time. Like there's a story out there about how I sent to the FBI when I was 11 years old and 
got a bunch of documents sent to the house under the Freedom of Information Act. My dad was waiting for me when I got home. You've not heard this story? But I have face. not heard this story, so I'm going to back you up. And <laughs> All right. I was 11 years old, and I had a subscription to a magazine called X Factor. It covered the paranormal, conspiracy theories, strange bugs, diseases. I sort of read about Ebola for the first time when I was like 10, 11. And they happened to have a sample letter in one issue where it was a sample letter for under the Freedom of Information Act. If you'd like to request some documents for the FBI, you just fill out this letter in the blank space, write in what documents you'd like, send it to the FBI, they'll send it to you. It doesn't matter what country you're in, they can even send them to the UK and Scotland. Okie dokie. I filled it in. I took my pocket money. I took it to the post office. I sent it off to the FBI. A few weeks later, I come home. My dad's waiting for me, sitting on the couch. When I go home from school and I'm like, wow, this is unusual. My dad's never home at this time. He's always working till late. I'm like, dad, what are you doing home? And on his lap, he's got like this five, six inch dossier. And he starts asking me, Drew, why are the FBI in America sending you these documents? <laughs> I was like, oh, dad, I asked for them. No, no, Drew. And I'll never forget when he kept saying in America, Drew, why are the FBI in America sending you these documents, dad? <laughs> It's legal under the Freedom of Information Act. I requested the documents. Don't worry about it. Just one more time. Why the Federal Bureau of Investigation in America <laughs> sending you these? Dad, damn it. I asked for them. Can I have them? I was like, just go and say and play football or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, basically, that kind of area, you know, UFOs, conspiracies, the paranormal, I'm very into it. So, I've been watching a whole bunch of documentaries, checking out the Pentagon footage that's been released on the, the UFOs, etc. So, that's certainly an area I'm interested in, along with shark attacks. That's another weird thing I'm into. Into shark attacks in what capacity? You're just curious about why they have I mean, them. I don't enjoy what. Yeah, I mean, I don't enjoy watching videos. I, I didn't imagine it was a goal of yours. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just... <laughs> I'm intrigued. I never go in the ocean, but I'm very intrigued about sharks that are around, obviously, longer than us. And, you know, why do they come so close to the ocean? Is it like sandbars to breathe oxygen wise? Are they searching for food? Why are there attacks happening more frequently recently? I just have a lot of these curiosities. And recently I've started watching a whole bunch of documentaries to, to find out why, because I don't like the ocean, but I do like the ocean. I want to swim around. I just don't want to get attacked by a shark. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree. I love the idea of the ocean, but I don't like being in the ocean. As long as, long as I can see my feet, I'm okay. But beyond that, that's a little, little. Yeah, I'd like to swim out there. I want to go to Hawaii sometimes swim out in the ocean and feel safe. So I'm building my knowledge on sharks so that one day I can do that. And if they ever try to attack me, I'll be able to communicate with them because I'm so knowledgeable about sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I've got your attention more than the FBI stuff. And the yeah. stuff. It's just like, what, what do you mean you're into shark attack? You should <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist in my own right. Uh, is there anything in, that you've been paying more attention to lately than others? I, I love watching like the Zeitgeist movies. Have you ever seen those, the documentaries? I have not, but let me write it down. Right throw that, in, yeah, throw that in your in your. I think it's on YouTube. It's just it's called Zeitgeist. I think there's three of them now, but the first one is the original. I remember watching it with AJ Styles in the locker room one day, and oh, really? he looked like his his head was about to explode. Oh, I would love to see Uncle Alan's reaction to something like that. Yeah, and, and any, <laughs> anything like that. I mean, obviously, you got to take all those things with a grain of salt, but they're they're fun little rabbit holes to get lost in when you've got some time to waste. Yeah, I remember like a particular point where I was like 12, 13, um, and building my knowledge in the area, and I realized that, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire, there's obviously things there, but the truth is that if you find anything out, they're going to make you disappear. So start pursuing this wrestling thing a little harder and stop focusing so much in this area. So I pursued the wrestling <laughs> a little harder, became WWE champion with the sole goal of finding out the truth. So, all right, everybody out there, I've got the title. I made it to the top. Give me the information. Give me the secrets. I can keep the secret. It was a plan all along. <laughs> well, when, when after the bell gets canceled, it's because the FBI was like, oh, okay, McIntyre's talking too much. We're shutting it down. <laughs>
one of my neighbors was in the CIA for years. My wife just told me yesterday. So yeah, I'm going to go knocking on his door and have a little chat. We bring some cookies around. Honey, the WWE champions at our front door. Do you yeah, know he's an older this? gentleman. Like I think he's retired and yeah, he just moved in. I think recently my wife told me, you know, I just spoke to his wife. who's was in the CIA for years, like real deep level stuff. I went, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think we're going to make a new friend. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Joe Rogan junkie and he's always got these great conspiracy theorists on his show. And there, there's one, uh, you know, the book Helter Skelter about the Manson murders. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, the, this guy, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he wrote a book called chaos that just came out where basically he says that all of the facts that were given to the public in Helter Skelter regarding the Charles Manson case were inaccurate and there could be some sort of cover up. I, I downloaded the audio book, which is not a thing that I'm into. I've given that a try, but I usually fall asleep on the airplane listening to it. But uh, yeah, it, there's some stuff that's kind of common knowledge. It's you know, one of the biggest crimes in American history and all these different facts and potential cover-ups and witnesses that went missing. And it, it's, it's pretty wild stuff, man. I love a good conspiracy theory. So I'm just writing everything down. Yeah, you check that out. <laughs> so why couldn't Drew make all the interviews this week? I fell down a few rabbit holes. <laughs> Blame Graves. I'll take the heat. All right, so obviously as WWE champion, it is sort of your duty to keep your eyes on the well-being of the business as a whole. You've got Raw, SmackDown, NXT making a lot of noise right now. What does Drew McIntyre enjoy watching at this moment from a fan's perspective? There's so much content right now um, for wrestling in general. It's just amazing how much content there actually is, especially during the times we're living in. But I mean, I enjoy watching everything. It's like everybody now is performing at such a high level. Um, it's unbelievable. It's like cool to see the people that um, I met during my time outside the company who are relative unknowns start really making a name for themselves, become household names like the, you know, the Garganos and the Ricochets and the, I mean, Roderick Strong was somewhat a name to begin with, but the level he's reached right now. You know, that's one of the coolest things to see because I remember winning the Evolve title, my first match back in the Independence. And I watched the whole show from beginning to end from the back. I was in 3MB. I hadn't had a lot of serious matches in a long time. Never mind the kind of matches those guys had. Those guys had the independence. And I was like, my God, I got to go on last here. But these guys are absolutely incredible. Why have I not heard of half of them? They're just unbelievable. When I did a promo that night and said, you know what? I watched this show. Um, I wasn't you know, educated to who everybody um, is and what they can do. But I'm going to make sure I work my butt off to put you know, this company on the map and make sure everyone knows these guys' names and to watch them work their butts off over the past few years force the world to recognize who they are and recognize their talent is so cool. And now we've got like those guys that I met just across Ross Smackdown and NXT, but that's the coolest thing I think of all is the individuals that I first saw outside the company and thought to myself, why did not more people not know who these people are? And now they're absolutely killing it within WWE. Yeah. We've had a little bit of an influx of guys that particularly have spent time and evolved between you know, Drew Gulak and you got Matt Riddle on SmackDown now, Tim Thatcher and NXT. Yeah, yeah, wrestled all of them and evolved. Just great to see them absolutely killing it. And they bring such a different style to what we're used to. To me as a fan, that's that's right now, that's my current obsession is watching those style matches just because it's so different. Do, do you watch a lot of that stuff and sort of take ideas or look forward to stepping up your game to, to competing in that style? Or, or how, how do you approach that mentally when you're watching something like that? Yeah, I mean, most of them I'm watching, I think, man, I want to wrestle those guys again. And I remember, you know, being um, in matches with Thatcher and Riddle, and you just knew that you didn't have to talk about much going into it. You know, we're two 
um, you know, hard-hitting individuals. You know, they've got a real strong technical game. As much as I don't tend to show it, I'm from the UK. I do have a good uh, technical game. I'm very strike-based. So it is fun to go in there and just try and figure it out rather than a lot of people kind of need to know a general plan for a match, which is fine. I'd, I'll never go through A to Z no matter what. Um, even if there's no crowd there, I can still feel what the crowd will be reacting like and still hear it in my head. I'm not going to plan a whole match up. But with guys like that, it's fun because... And I can tell just watching some of them, like Oni Lorcan and Thatcher, I can tell they have not planned anything. They're going out there and they're just working, they're just wrestling, they're just going for it. Yep. And I miss that. And I look forward to any opportunity I get to just go in there and just go for it with somebody that you know, it doesn't matter how hard you hit me or how hard I hit you. Let's just go for it and make people at home question, like Randy and I on a microphone, no question. Because these guys hate each other the way they're really laid into each other in the ring. And that's kind of what I miss. And like it's cool to see Riddle um, really getting some exposure now. And I was excited to see himself and Seamus recently you know, have a match because I know none of them were going to hold back in that ring. I remember one time with Riddle and they were getting on to him. I had a match, I think it was WrestleMania weekend in Orlando a few years ago, right before I came back. I was on my knees on the outside of the ring and he threw a kick at me and it hit me in the chest, but I don't know if I was sweaty or he slipped or what, but his foot followed through into my jaw. I was like, my God, if he kicked me as hard as he could in the face, I'd be dead. (laughs) <laughs> if that kick like which half caught me hit most people they'd be unconscious I just couldn't believe how hard his shins were and I was like my goodness alright this guy's just one tough customer yeah I'm excited to, to watch Riddle develop on Friday Night Smackdown he's been he's been a breath of fresh air he actually mentioned on this show that he someday wanted to, to lock up with Sheamus and obviously you and Sheamus are extremely familiar with one another and those two dudes they brought it for sure on Friday night oh yeah they did I really enjoyed uh, that match and I remember you know the way things are right now you kind of know it's kind of we're going with the flow let's say right now and let's mm-hmm. see maybe maybe the guys didn't have adequate time to think about things and I'm glad they didn't because they just kind of went out and kind of worked and I could tell that watching and it was way better for it and I think you know like someone like uh, Seamus has been in the system a long time he's not used to doing that it's been a long time since he's did it and I think afterwards he was unsure about how perhaps it went. And I was like, trust me, if you just went out there and just went for it and went with your instincts, it's going to be great. And I watched it back and text him. I went, you weren't sure about that? Do you have a lot of guys now in the locker room asking you for advice or, or to, to watch their matches, various things like that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes. The nature of the way things are right now, it's not so easy. Right, everything's kind of, it's, it's yeah, fluid is, yeah. is the best way to describe it. Yeah, things can change. Kind of for the last second sometimes, which is fine with me. Like, thankfully, my time outside the company prepared me for everything changing at the last second. But uh, yeah, before we were in this situation, certainly. And I love some people text me to say, you know, can you watch a match or watch a promo and to get some feedback that way. And I'm always open. Like if anybody has any questions, you know, it's just my opinion. doesn't make it right. It's just kind of what's worked for me over the years, what I've observed over the years and, you know, my personal feelings. Is it something that's changed noticeably within yourself to have sort of leveled up to where now, yeah, you're the WWE champion. You're a top guy. You're the top guy on Monday Night Raw from guy in 3MB, from guy who got fired and came back and is scratching and clawing and working your way up. And now you've kind of made it there. Is that something that you take time to absorb and realize, or is it still just stay the course? Yeah. I mean, I recognize it. I still don't believe it most of the time, but the truth is the way I am and the way I'll always be to the day of return, no matter what I do, as was it's it's always day one. As far as I'm concerned, there's always someone new tuning into the show. When we get back in the arenas, there's always going to be someone new see me for the first time. And every single time I go out there, I'm going to be presenting myself as if, you know, every single person in there has never seen me before and keeping within the confines of the current storyline or whatever situation I'm in. But 
it's always going to be day one. Every interview I do, every time I'm on television, every situation I'm in representing the company, it's always day one as far as I'm concerned. And that's the attitude I've had for years now, and it's worked out just fine. It's the attitude I'll continue to keep. And just when I'm retired, sitting down, I'll be able to look back and go, all right, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Until then, I'm not going to sit down and absorb it for too long. Get a big head. Yeah, no time to be complacent, man. That would be hypocritical. <laughs> exactly. Let's say... With all luck on your side that uh, this Sunday you escape the Viper Randy Orton at SummerSlam, who else is on Drew McIntyre's radar? Hmm. I really hope myself and Randy aren't a one and done. I really think there's a lot of legs to this. You know, I've kind of been going through different opponents since WrestleMania with, uh, you know, Seth and the, the first one. And then he kind of took off in the path he's been on. And then Lashley and then Dolph. So I really hope Randy and I isn't just one and done, but Truthfully, you know, Seth's another level right now, character-wise. Uh, Lashley and MVP are certainly another level character-wise. Like, when we were working together, it was like almost like he was building up. And then himself and MVP got together during that time. And he was at a better place after the match. And it's just right. continued to ascend. So I think we can certainly revisit, you know, Seth and Lashley for sure. For new opponents, I'll keep my eyes out. You know, I'm just waiting for, for Alistair Black to kind of have his breakthrough moment. Like, I know it's going to happen. Um, he's just going to, uh, whatever the right time is when he gets to show, you know, the real him and it really connects like in the best way we can connect right now. I think him and I are going to do some cool stuff down the line. You know, he's a very talented individual. He really has a clear vision in his head, what he wants to be. And once everybody else kind of, you know, gets on board and understands who he is, I think he's going to do some cool things and him and I will certainly have some cool matches. Very, very cool. Well, you got a lot of preparation to do. SummerSlam just a couple days away. Leave me with some last thoughts. Why does the WWE universe need to watch Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton? Well, this is the match that I've been hearing about on social media. That's how I kind of judge everything right now is, my goodness, when we get McIntyre Randy, um, it's going to be something. And hopefully, you know, we've caught your attention uh, with the interviews thus far and the truth bombs we've been dropping uh, thus far because there is, if it feels real, it's because it is real. This match is going to be physical. I think a lot of people aren't used to Randy Orton matches being too physical. He's not going to have a choice because he's in with Drew McIntyre. I think people are going to be surprised by a lot of things they see. Yeah, I mean, Randy's going to get the kick and he sorely deserves to be honest it's as simple as that so if you want to see Randy get his kicked by Drew McIntyre it's worth tuning in for that right on man well I can't wait to put eyes on it I'm excited for SummerSlam it's finally here it feels like yesterday was Wrestlemania here we are SummerSlam and you're still on top man so you're doing you're doing a damn fine job and I'm going to speak it into existence because as history has proven that if I say it it comes true <laughs> yes, yes. And now that you've said it, it better come true. I'll be back on the following week. Thank God. I Thank God I'm on SmackDown <laughs> if it doesn't go, <laughs> go that way. Yeah, yeah. I'll be sending that retribution back after you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Drew, man. I appreciate your time. Good luck on Sunday at SummerSlam. And uh, you're always welcome here at ATB. No, thank you, brother. It's been fun as always. Catch up and I'll see you down the line. I, for one, cannot wait to see what Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton produce for the WWE Universe at SummerSlam. No doubt it's going to be unforgettable. Thank you one more time to the champ for spending some time with us. And I'll leave you with a little zen, as I always do. This comes from Buddha, who teaches in the confrontation between the stream and the rock. The stream always wins, not through strength, but through persistence. Maybe Drew will listen to this and uh, take that little bit of wisdom into SummerSlam. That's some Zen for you. I'm full of it. Follow the show at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Send us your thoughts using the hashtag After the Bell. I say this every week, but if you're using Apple Podcasts and you haven't left us a review, please throw me five stars. It helps spread the word about the greatness of After the Bell. 
If you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts so that you never miss an episode. And you can follow me at WWE Graves on Instagram and Twitter. And I'll be back next week with some big-time SummerSlam reactions, more wisdom, a little more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. If you've never been to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you don't know what you're missing. There's so much to see and do. It's like a 16th century theme park with shops and pubs, food and games, live jousting, crafts and music, 10 stages with nonstop entertainment, fun for the whole family. Saturdays, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Near Annapolis, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Time travel to fun.